Uh, let's get to our passage today. Um, it comes from Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19, only two verses today. The Word of God reads, Wives, submit to your husbands, submit yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let's pray. Father, we ask you so much to give us your heart for your families. And God, that's what we want to see. We just want to see holy families. We want to see families in love with you. We want to see children and spouses inspired to live for you and to love you and to know you more because they live in the same household with a godly person. And so, God, we ask more than anything to make us those godly people so that the name of Jesus Christ can be elevated and worshipped in every home in our church. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, real faith is proven in the home. It is. You know, I've been a, I've been a Christian for over 30 years now, and if there's one, you know, if there's one huge truth that I've kind of seen this great big pattern of over the years, it's this. You know, it's who you are at home is, I think, the truest measure of where your faith really is at. You know, I think everyone can fake it for a little bit. You know, everyone can put on their Sunday best when they're out in public for a limited time. But, you know, who you are in front of your spouse, who you are in front of your parents, who you are in front of your siblings, you know, that's who you really are. How you treat them is who you really are and where your faith really is. You know, over and over again, as a, even as a pastor, I've been fooled by so many people who look so holy and they look so great at church only to hear really disappointing stories told by their families um, just about how, who they really are at home. And I'm not just talking about one-off things, but I'm talking about like consistent and persistent patterns of unholy behavior. Um, but I've also been surprised on the other, you know, on the other side of the coin as well. I love it. You know, I was a youth pastor for 13 years or 11 years, and I love it when my students come to me and tell me how amazing their parents are, how loving they are, and how holy their parents are. And that's so encouraging to me as a Christian. I want my family to be like that. I love it when spouses come up to me and tell me how inspired they are because of the example of their partners, you know, their holiness, their love that they display every single day in their relationship. And I love hearing stories like that. But it all teaches me the same thing, that real faith is proven in the home. True holiness is proven in the home. Nothing is more difficult than to live out all those virtues that we talked about last week in an environment where you're tested daily, if not hourly, you know, on if, if you're actually living those things out. So, you know, but the thing is, when your parents or when your spouse or when your siblings all of a sudden begin to acknowledge that you're changing, that you're really changing to be like Jesus, that's like the most powerful encouragement. That's like the most empowering and encouraging thing that you can hear and feel because it's just proof that Christ is alive in you and it's absolutely affirming. You know, over the next, you know, who you are at home is who you are. Who you are at home is uh, where your faith really is. And the Apostle Paul, he knows it too. And that's why after such detailed instructions like we talked about last week about how to live a holy life, he immediately concentrates his attention upon the household and upon 
the home. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about different roles inside the home, husband, wives, children, parents, master, slaves. Uh, but today, we're going to concentrate on the relationship between a husband and a wife. You know, today's passage is one of those passages that gets the most grunts from women in, in my premarital counseling courses. But it also uh, makes the men in my premarital counseling courses the most nervous and there are two reasons for that. Number one, I think it does because we don't, I think we kind of misunderstand these verses. I think they're very misunderstood. And secondly, because they're brutally hard to live out. Um, but hopefully after today, as we go through these verses at the end of it, not only, I, I pray that these verses and the teachings and the commands behind these verses become absolutely clear to you, but I also hope and pray that what it means to be a godly wife and a godly husband that builds a holy marriage also becomes very clear to you as well. A marriage that reflects the virtues and values of this new life that we have with Christ, one that mirrors who he is to our families, right? So, but now before I get to those points, though, there's three things I want to share with you. That's kind of like the foundation and the basis of this. And I didn't want to explain this. So I'm just going to just share these three points to you. I want to remind you of three things. Number one, God created men and women to be equals, right? They have equal value. They have equal dignity. And when Christ died upon the cross and through the gospel, we were all redeemed back to you know, that same equality. He restored us as equals. No gender is greater in any way, and no gender is more valued or valuable in any way. The second point I want to share with you is this. Even though the Bible was written throughout, all, throughout history and throughout all these male-dominated societies, the Bible itself does not promote a male-dominated society in any way. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to be very difficult to find any historical document that elevates socially um, as much as the Bible does. You know, the Bible gave women, children, and even slaves value in a society that had no values. They gave them rights in societies that where they had no rights. And so these words many times were absolutely revolutionary in the eras that they were written in and preached at. Um, but regardless of how controversial or regardless of, our counter, of how countercultural the word may be, even in our era today, um, God's, worth, God's word is ultimate truth. God's word is ultimate truth, and therefore... Our approach and our attitude to his word must be to conform ourselves to it because it is our ultimate authority. You know, God restored us back to his image. He redeemed us back to his design. So whenever we find ourselves in conflict with whatever the word of God says, um, we must surrender to his truth. We must surrender to his words and his book because it is our ultimate authority. Lastly, the creation of this new humanity in Christ, when Christ redeemed all of us back to him through the cross and through the gospel, it doesn't mean that we erase existing social relationships like husband, wife, child, parent, or even master, slave, right? But what it does mean, it, it means the transformation of all of those relationships under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, people always ask, why wasn't slavery abolished when people became Christians? Why we know that was wrong, why did they still keep it? You know, and there's other questions like if husband and wife are equals, 
then why do they have two separate roles? And if children and parents are equals in God's eyes, then why do children have to obey parents, right? And it all makes sense. We're going to tackle some of those questions today. We'll leave some for next week. Um, but the bottom line is that uh, just because you become a Christian, it doesn't mean we erase current social, uh, current social relationships that exist. But what it does mean is the redemption of those relationships under the lordship of Jesus Christ. With that, all that said, let's get to our verses today, which talks about marriage. There's so much that I really wanted to say about marriage, but I decided to simply just talk about these verses in the context of this letter to focus this sermon the best that I could. So we can talk about, you know, marriage another time. There's only two verses, so there's only two points, and they're very, very simple and direct. The first point is this, wives submit to your husbands. Wives are to submit to their husbands. Verse 18 says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, all of us have this thing within us that whenever we hear a commandment to submit to authority, there's something within our hearts, our minds that kind of pushes back a little bit. And especially if you're a woman and you read this verse, you know, there's a part of you that probably is not happy when you read a verse like this. And, and trust me, as a pastor, I've heard, I've heard it all. I've, t- I've done so many counseling courses, marital counseling course, premarital counseling course. I've heard it all. One couple once said to me this. They said, Eddie, you don't understand. When my boyfriend proposed to me, he seriously is marrying up many, many levels. You know, I'm so much smarter than my boyfriend, my fiance. I'm so much smarter. I can see things days, if not weeks ahead of him. I don't trust his decision-making ability. I don't, destruct, I, don't, I don't trust his reasoning abilities. That's not why I'm marrying him. I've heard it all. You know, I don't want to submit to him, you know, and I don't trust it. I've heard so many others like, hey, Eddie, my, my husband, he's the most passive and quiet guy. I don't think he's ever made a decision in his life except maybe to propose to me. You know, I don't know what to follow if I have no idea what he's thinking. Other, you know, there's so many others. What, Eddie, what if my husband's leading me towards destruction? You know, what if he's leading us into trouble? What if he has no idea where he's going? Are you saying that we're just supposed to submit? What if he's like all full of himself? What if he's all arrogant? What if he just wants to like show off his machismo? You know, are, is this command a blanket command? I mean, are we supposed to submit at all times? Is this what it's saying? There's a lot of fears that come alongside our pushback. And so what I'd like to do is I'd just like to share what the command is, is actually saying, what God's word is actually saying, and we'll try to address some of those issues at the end. So let's look at this verse. The command here is to submit yourself, wives, to your husbands. You know, that word submit is a very multifaceted word. It really is. Um, and it's a very interesting word in the original language. In the original language, whenever it was used and the actual definition itself, the word submit, it, it doesn't convey, first and foremost, any sense of inferiority at all. As a matter of fact, all it means is taking on this attitude of putting other people first. It's to consider others first and others above you. Just like, just like Jesus Christ did in Philippians 2, he considered others above himself. And the reason for this attitude is to build your spouse Right, And we talked about this word kindness last week. We talked about this word kindness, which is strength, which is used to build and help others. That's exactly what it's supposed to elicit here within us as wives, 
is we are to use our kindness to build our husbands in the Lord. And the last nuance of this word, to submit, means that it's something that we voluntarily decide to enter into. So a woman is to voluntarily put herself under the authority of the husband in order to use her kindness to build her husband in the Lord. That is the thrust of this word, submit, right? And there's two things that actually this, uh, there are two issues that I'd really like to talk about that this verse is actually addressing here. And the first is this, um, Eddie, does that mean there's hierarchy in marriage? And the answer is yes. And that's the first issue. There is hierarchy in marriage and God designated the husband to be the head. I know in today's society, when we hear stuff like that, we push back. There's a lot of us that, you know, when the moment we hear hierarchy, the moment we hear authority or head, all of a sudden there's part of our hearts or our minds that pushes back because there's a part of us that thinks, oh, hierarchy is not good. It, it could be evil. You know, a lot of people abuse their authority once you give them that kind of power and that kind of position. And I totally get it. But once again, that's not how God designed biblical hierarchy to be, nor did he design biblical authority to be like that whatsoever. Ever. God created authorities in Scripture to point people to Jesus and so that the people under them could become thankful worshipers of Christ. That's a job of an authority. And that's what we do. That's what we do as pastors. That's what we do as leaders. That's what we should be doing as a government. That's why God created these authorities. We see that in some places, and it's beautiful a lot of times in the church. But in many other places, we don't see that whatsoever. Why? Because sin has entered into those authoritative places and therefore has corrupted that role and that authority. But that doesn't mean the hierarchy itself is evil. As a matter of fact, it's holy, right? There's hierarchy. If you didn't know, here's an example. There's hierarchy in the Trinity. Did you know that? There's no evil in the Trinity. But there's three persons who are all equally God. But God the Father is the head, and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, they submit and they obey the Father. There's also hierarchy in the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and the church is to submit and obey to you know, obey Christ and follow Christ. And not only that, but there's spiritual authorities within the church as well. And we are to submit ourselves to church authority and to follow them. There is hierarchy. But what about marriage? You know, when, it, when God created marriage in Genesis chapter 3, I'll be very honest with you, I don't know if there was hierarchy. I don't know if there's something written in that way where there was hierarchy. There may have been, there may not have been. But what we do know for sure is that the moment Eve led Adam into sin, hierarchy was defined, right? And it was defined exactly in Genesis 3.16, which is the curse upon Eve, which reads this. It says, to the woman... He said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Here we go. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So God established the hierarchy in the family very clearly after sin entered that relationship. And so there is hierarchy. But hierarchy, once again, was meant to point each other to Christ. Right? Here's the question I want to ask you. You know, if God, if God the Father is the head of the Trinity, does that mean that he's going to abuse his authority to belittle Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Do you think he'll do something like that? 
Do you think he'll make them feel like small and slaves and stuff like that? No, he won't. Right? Does Jesus ever do that to the church? No, he doesn't. Because that's not why God created nor designed authority and hierarchy to be. In the same way, God created husbands to rule their wives in a way that points their wives to Christ. God appointed husbands to rule over their wives so that their wives can become thankful worshipers of Jesus Christ. That's what authorities were created to do. And therefore, God wanted wives or people under those authority to obey authorities. Why? He wanted them to submit to authorities and obey authorities so that through their submission, these authorities as well can be joyful worshipers of Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be this mutual, this mutual exchange. Hebrews 13, 17. Let's read what this says. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Did you guys hear? Did you guys read that? Authorities, leaders, husbands have to give an account to God for being head of their household. It's huge. Wives don't have to, but men have to. They're responsible. You know, and we'll we'll study a little bit about what they're responsible about, you know, a little bit later. But that's what it's saying. And there we go. Let's read the rest of this verse. Let them do this with joy, right? Make sure that their work is a joy, and don't do it and not and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. What is this saying? It's saying that wives are to voluntarily put themselves under the authority of their husbands, so that they may point their husbands to become joyful, thankful worshipers of Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be this mutual exchange that they have. And there's here that's the first issue, okay? And here's the which brings us to the second issue. The first is that hierarchy is God's design for worship. The second is this. Wives are to submit to their husbands for the Lord. Right? What does that mean? It means that the wife trusts that by obeying God's design in marriage, not only does Christ become glorified, but that her husband, her marriage, and her household also gets built in holiness. Through her submission to her husband, she invites the presence and the approval of God, which puts their family on track to truly becoming thankful worshipers in the Lord. And stuff like that's really easy to do. I know if you have a really great husband and if you have a really nice husband, but not all husbands are that great. I know, right? I'm probably in that latter category, but husbands are not pleasing all the time. They are sinners, right? And they will fail you. They make mistakes. Husbands can be full of themselves, just as wives can be. Husbands are, they can be completely insecure about who they are, just as, you know, wives can be. And just like wives, you know, husbands, we need the love, the support, the guidance, and the help of our spouses. You know, I think all humans do. But if there's one thing that husbands truly need that this verse is kind of alluding us to is respect, right? All husbands need respect. You know, the moment husbands feel disrespected by their wives or they feel like their wives are belittling them, something happens within their heart that just opens them up to a bunch of sin. It's not an excuse, but that's what happens. It's kind of like very similar in a, in a woman's case. when a, If a wife were to ever realize one day, oh my gosh, I don't think my husband truly loves me anymore, 
then there's this overwhelming sense of hopelessness and lostness that overwhelms our hearts to the point where we then open up ourselves to all kinds of sins. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. And so let's never let our marriages get to this point. You know, the wife submits to her husband, not only because this pleases God and because this is what's commanded, but it's what husbands need to grow to become a godly head, right? Husbands need this aspect of her partnership in order to become a holy husband. So, you know, wives, I cannot tell you how important that truly is to men. Um, and I don't know if this example I'm about to share is going to share, is going to prove it, but, you know, I was at a conference once and I was talking to this older couple who was just very godly. They just came across as like this most godly couple. And we were talking about this area of submission. Um, and, you know, this was before I got married. And so I, was, I, asked, I asked the wife, you know, if, if you guys were like debating and after a prolonged discussion and argument, all of a sudden, if you realize that your husband was still leading you guys off a cliff, what would you do? Would you just submit? And then this is what she said. She said, well, I guess we'll die together. And I was blown away. That was not the answer that I expected. But that's what she said. But then I immediately turned to the husband and I said, hearing that, what do you, how do you feel about that? You know, what do you think about that? And this is what he said. He said, knowing how much my wife trusts in me, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that we're going in the right direction. And to me, I was like, wow, that's godliness. But I was really overwhelmed by the man because the, because the husband there really is speaking a truth that I think all wives and husbands need to understand, which is this. When a husband truly feels the respect joyfully from his wife in this way, it elicits a holiness in his heart that wants to lead his wife in holiness, that wants to lead his family towards Christ, that makes us and drives us to really be the best leader that we can be for the sake and the benefit of our family and for the glory of God. It's huge how much, how much men need the respect of their wives in order to be holy and to lead their families well. But Eddie, you don't understand. You know, husbands sometimes can be so unreasonable, right? Sometimes they seriously have no idea where they're going. And especially if they don't see things as clearly as the wife does, what is a wife to do? Is she supposed to submit to that? And the first thing I'll say is it's totally possible that husbands have no idea. You know, it's totally possible that the wife can totally see much farther ahead, you know, all this stuff. But what do you do? My answer to that would simply be love your husband, talk to your husband, you know, work things out, support him, and do the best that you can to walk together. But ultimately, trust in God. No matter what happens through that conversation, trust in the Lord, right? Trust God for the whole process. And no matter what happens, Commit yourself more deeply to your husband, to love him and to support him. And be thankful to God that God is the one who's ultimately in control. It's because it's through these trials, it's through these arguments, it's through these challenges, and sometimes even through those failures, that God is making you and your spouse into the union that he always planned for you guys. 
right? It's through all those struggles that he's transforming you to truly be the Christ-like example that God has called you to be. But Eddie, what if my husband is leading us towards sin and towards destruction? And the answer to that is very simple. Stop it, right? Stop your husband. This command is not a submit at all times command. It's not, right? Uh, we submit ourselves to our husbands to please the Lord. And there's no way you're going to please the Lord if both of you are committing sin and if both of your, if your family's heading in that direction of sin and destruction. So stop sin, okay? Wives, if you value your Christian partnership and if you want your husband to be a holy, thankful worshiper, then use your strength to help him. Use your strength to support him. Use your strength to strengthen him to get there. God says that you do that by your submission to his authority. Secondly, husbands, you are to love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Verse 19 says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, the command behind that is very simple enough. Husbands, love your wives, right? But many husbands, once again, I think misunderstand this verse. Whenever they hear this verse, you know, they always say, people always say, husbands always say, Eddie, Trust me, I got this. I love my wife, you know? And then I'll look at their wives and I'll be like, nah, I don't know. Anyway, you know, every, so many men believe that they love their wives, and they probably do. I, mean, I don't doubt it. But the thing is, the command here is not to love your wife the way you want to love your wife. That's not this command. The command here is to love your wife as Christ would love your wife. And there's something, you know, whenever I, I talk to a lot of married women, is, and the thing is, um, especially if they're in counseling, and, and one thing that I've learned over the years is that a lot of married women are, I don't know if this is the right word, but disappointed in their marriages. And it's not because they're not loved by their husband, but it's because they know deep inside their hearts that they were saved for so much more, that there was so much more that they, that their marriage, because of their marriage, they should be getting closer to Jesus Christ, but that's quite, that's not happening, you know? This verse is commanding husbands to love, not with their love, but with Christ's love. Why? Because when we love our wives, husbands, with Christ's love, that is what builds our wives and our marriages to experience Christ together as one. And that's what God wanted that to become. So what does it mean to love with Christ's love? You know, the word here is agape. And that word agape is a very unique word for love. It's describing God's love for us. What does that love look like? It's the love that caused him to have compassion upon us when he saw us within our sin. But not only that, not only did his heart move, but it moved him to action. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled to him and so that we could experience that love personally and deeply. And that's the type of love that we are to model for our wives. And that's the kind of love that's described in detail in Ephesians chapter 5. And so let's look at this together so that we can see a very practical, clear example of how to love our wives. And this example is Christ loving the church. Let's read this together. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 reads, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, 
loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. That's it. And the wife must respect her husband. Oh, you see that? The wife must respect her husband. There you go. So what does the love of Christ look like practically in marriage? Husbands, how are we to love our wives practically? Let's go over these verses very briefly. Verse 25 starts out saying that the first thing Christ did out of his agape love for us, agape love for us was that he gave himself up for the church. Our role as husbands, first and foremost, is to give ourselves up to love our wives. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it's a position of surrender, isn't it? We are to give ourselves up. That's a position of surrender. But why are we doing that? Just like Jesus, we give ourselves up so that our wives can know God and experience God through our holy example. It's so that our wives can know his love and experience his love through our holy example of that love to our wives. We love them by with, with the love of Christ, not our own love, but with Christ's love. And when we do that, they get to experience him. So the first step is to surrender. Secondly, verse 26 tells us that the goal of that love is to make her holy, right? So we as husbands, and this is what we'll be held accountable for, we are to make our wives holy. When we get judged, when we get to heaven, God's going to be like, dude, did you make your wife holy? And we'll say things like, oh, have you seen my wife? Do you know how hard that is? No, I'm kidding. Okay, shut up, anything. All right. Uh, but the command is to love your wife, right, and to make her holy. The thing is this. You cannot sit down a woman and just tell her to, be more, to become more holy, right? That's marital suicide. If you ever try that as a husband, you'll be dead. Don't do that, right? Um, the collective wisdom that I've received and the, you know, in my own experience, there's only one way to make your wife more holy. And that is to inspire her to want to become holy because of you. This is the secret, right? And we do that by modeling holiness every single day for her to see in us, right? But is this any, is this any, husband's default mode? No, it isn't. You know, every husband here knows we just want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. That's like every man's default mode. But that's why verse 28 here exists. God knows that, right? That's why verse 28 here exists. What does it say? It says that we are to love our wives as we love ourselves. What does that mean? It means that we are to give ourselves up. We are to model holiness to our wives with the exact same passion and commitment that we have for our, our ourselves, you know? And because we always want to do what we want to do, we are now called to always model holiness and to always point our wives in his direction and to always want to see our wives fall in love with God and experience him more through our holy example. Right? That's what Christ does for us daily, doesn't he? Of course he does. And that's who we need to be for 
our wives. And when we consistently and constantly model that holiness, holiness to our wives in that way, what does verse 26 say? It says that that love then acts as a baptism of God's truth in her life. We are literally immersing and saturating our wives with God's truth and God's word through our example. And that is what will eternally not only transform your wife to be a lover of Christ, but your family and your household to be exactly that. So here's the question. Husbands, do your wives experience God? And do they experience his truth powerfully through your example? Right? Are they immersed in God's truth every single time they interact with you? They need to be. Because that is the calling that God has placed upon us as heads of this household and head of that relationship. Right? That's the command. Verse 27 says, if we didn't understand it, it says that God expects our wives to become holy because they are married to us. Do you see how it says that we are to present her to Christ as holy and blameless? And there's that phrase once again in Colossians, which means that because your wife is married to you, she is motivated and inspired not only to live out her new life with Christ, but to exemplify it. That's got to be because of us. How difficult is it to be a husband? It's huge. Right? But that's the calling, and that's the vow that we make when we say, I do, at the altar. So ladies, let me ask you a question. If you had a husband who gave himself up for you every single day to care for you and, to be sen- and who was sensitive to your needs and to your personality, and as a result lived out and modeled this life of holiness and God's truth in your life so powerfully that all you want to do is know Christ more and to obey Christ more and to grow in Christ more, would you find it difficult to submit to such a man? My guess is probably not. If I came across a man like that, I might want to marry him. You know, he's, that's, what I, that's, what we all, that's what we all want in marriage, right? This is the kind of husband that gives his wife true life. And that's what we are all called to be as husbands. This is the love that our wives need to become thankful worshipers. And that's who we are called. That's what we are called to give them. That's agape love. That's the peace of Christ exemplified in marriage. The end of verse 19 says, For husbands not to be harsh with our wives, this command was given at that time because back then and even now, um, everyone, not just men, not just husbands, we're all prone to abuse our leadership roles. But once again, we were never created nor designed to do that at all. Loving, just like we learned last week, means what? It means putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And the only way to do that is to live out God's designed love right? God designed authority and hierarchy to lead with love. Will our wives be difficult? Of course. Will our wives test our patience and test our limits? Every single day. Um, But the question is, what did Christ do when he came across us 
when we had those types of attitudes towards him. He, those attitudes and that life was met with compassion and it was met with love. And that is what we are, that's who we are called to be for our wives as well. We are to point our wives to Christ and to make them thankful worshipers through our example of Christ's love for them. So wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. This is what pleases the Lord and builds our spouses to be thankful worshipers. You know, marriage is hard. It is. It's very, very difficult. You know, to do marriage the way God designed husband and wife to do marriage, it's extremely difficult, right? It's, that's why, you know, if you ever go to a wedding, they always say this type of union is not something, this decision is not something that you should easily enter into. And it isn't because the burden is huge. God created marriage so that husband and wife could point each other to Christ and so that they could spend their whole lives making each other thankful worshipers of Jesus Christ. So when we think of it that way, marriage was created to make God great, right? To make your union about the glory of Jesus Christ, which once again, just like the church, makes marriage what? Marriage was never designed to be perfect, but just like the church, marriage was created to perfect us, right? So let's embrace that design in marriage. And if we want holiness to characterize what our marriages are all about, then wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And, and husbands, love your wives in the same way as Christ loved the church. Be a godly husband and a wife so that your spouse can experience the holiness of God's word and the passion of God's love lived out through you. Make your spouse a joyful, thankful worshiper of Christ. Let's pray. Can we pray for our spouses? Let's just really pray for our husband. Let's pray for our, our wife. And let's just really pray for them. God, make them a thankful worshiper. Have, we ever, have you ever prayed that for your spouse? God, I just want my husband, I just want my wife to be a thankful worshiper of Christ. That's all I want, because that's all you want. And you put me with him or her so that I could be a powerful influence to get him or her there. So ask God as well, God, help me to live according to your design. Help me to make my spouse a thankful worshiper. What do I need to do? Who do I need to become? What do I need to surrender? What do I need to change about myself so that my spouse can be inspired to, to want you? So that my spouse can be challenged to know you more so that my spouse can be absolutely blown away and enamored by who you are through me. And let's ask God to speak to us and become whoever God challenges us to be. Let's really make our marriages strong in the Lord. And let's live them according to his design. Let's pray.
especially if you're married, if you've never really talked to each other about your faith, or maybe you never talked to each other about your roles in your marriage, especially in terms of what scripture says, will you have the courage to talk about that today? And just to be honest with each other, but with the foundational spirit that you want to build your spouse, you know, wives to submit to your husband so that they can feel fully empowered to lead their families, to lead your family into holiness. And husbands, to surrender yourselves completely to build your wife and to inspire her to want Jesus more. And maybe we can be honest about that in a very gracious way so that every marriage in our church can be built in that way. Guys, I want, I want to see holy marriages. I want to see thriving relationships where we're inspired by each other. Our children need to see that. You know, our families, our extended families need to see that in us. People who call themselves Christians. And we have the opportunity to do that. There's a lot of bad habits, I'm sure, that we need to repent of that we saw and experienced within our own families. But we are now, we now have a new family. And we have the opportunity to build a new culture, a godly, holy culture. Do that. But it takes this relationship, this open relationship between you and your spouse that's focused upon making Christ the center. So can you do that? So once again, can you pray for your spouse right now? Pray for that discussion. Pray for the future of your marriage, the future of your family, that it'll be a family centered upon Christ, holy upon him, right? And if you're single, can you pray for that as well? Pray for your future marriage, that it'll be centered upon Christ and that God will work upon your life right now to make you a spouse that builds your future spouse. Will you pray? Let's pray one last time. I just pray that you'll anoint all the current marriages within our ministry right now. There are so many um, voices that clamor for our attention. But Lord, I pray that in our generation, the husbands and wives will take their role in the Lord seriously above all other voices 
so that we might have these families, these marriages that are just these beacons of light and hope and joy. God, so that our next generation will be able to see this amazing model of holiness in their families. And so that our neighbors all around us can see what the church was always meant to be. So Father, give us courage and humility and love to take steps to make our marriages pleasing in your eyes and everything that you always wanted it to be. And Father, for those who are not yet married, Father, we pray that you continue to build them to be the spouses that you always wanted them to be. So Father, I pray for our church and all the members in our church, not only that you make their marriages holy and pleasing to you, but God, that you will bring future spouses along that are even more passionate about making their marriages holy and blameless for your pleasure. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.